0: Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church. Glad you're joining us this morning. And uh, we're going to be teaching again this morning. I think it's our fourth time teaching on spiritual warfare. Today we're going to talk about demons and the origin of Satan. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1. And we'll go a few minutes today and pick up uh, our next time together. Maybe this coming Wednesday. Mark chapter 1. And we'll just get right into the scriptures. We're going to read verses 21 through 34. And y'all get there, say amen. If you're still working out, say oh me. We'll wait on a couple of oh me's. Mark chapter 1, verses 23 through 24. Verse 21, it says, And when they went into Capernaum a straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered, Jesus, the synagogue, and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one as having authority and not as the scribes. And there was a synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art you, do you, have you come to destroy us? This is a demonic spirit talking through someone, asking Jesus, We know who you are and are you come to destroy us? That's what every believer, we know who you, that's what, that's what you ought to get as a believer. If you're in a situation and there's a spirit operating, someone's possessed, they ought to ask you the same thing. Or tell you, tell you we know who you are. Okay, question. Okay, go ahead and I'll let you speak. What's the question? Have you come to destroy us? Your reply is? Yes, yes of course. <laughs> <laughs> Smart bunch we got here. Y'all in there, y'all to come by and meet some people. They're brilliant. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, are you come destroy us. He said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold your peace and come out. Other translations, Jesus said, shut up. If, if you do a, we're doing a study here, but not a complete study. If you, you'll notice that Jesus didn't have long conversations or hardly any conversations with, with demonic spirits. And when they tried to manifest, he'd stop them. In other words, he wouldn't let them put on a show. Because they will, they'll, they'll put on a show. For the people, if they can put, if, if demonic spirits, give, if you give them enough room and they know they've got to come out, they'll put on a show to see if they can scare the people or scare whoever they're dealing with or if it's in a church or outside of the church. In other words, if you can see a man enough manifestation, you might go, yeah, you know, you might kind of flinch. And they're, and they're seeing if they got a flinching Christian. <laughs> So Jesus would just say, when they would try to manifest, He would say, hold your peace or shut up. R- really, I mean, and you know this, but just read the gospel. Most time He used to say, come out, get out. That's, that's about really what all it took. He just says, hold your peace, come out, get out. Let's try that together. Hold your peace, come out, get out. That covers the book of demonology. Now we can move on to the next subject. <laughs> But here's why we need to study this. Now we're in America in a Western civilization, so some people actually think we don't have demons here. I mean, they think you know there might be somewhere here and there, in, you know, in some of the drug, you know, parts of the country, or you know, in the inner cities. But they're they're uh, they're everywhere. But what you're thinking is uh, TV or Hollywood, where you're seeing someone, you know, you know, some of the movies that you've seen where someone's You know, frothing at the mouth, or their, you know, their, and the hideous voices and all—that's part of it. But that's not the whole thing. Uh, When you're, when if you're doing a study of demonic spirits and who they are and how they operate, they're they're not always coming. So, if you're thinking it's the underworld devil, you know, with the red suit and the horn and like this, he—he would like you to think that. Have already have said this before. He would really like to think that that he does not exist. If, you, if he doesn't exist in your mind, then he can just maneuver and do things. Actually, half or more than half of Jesus' healings, he dealt with demonic spirits. So a lot of times, sometimes, sometimes, not always, sometimes why we don't get people healed sometimes is because we didn't, we didn't deal with the spirit. You said, well, we prayed healing over him. Well, you did, but, but you didn't deal with the spirit that's operating there that caused it. And because they're 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 a Christian. Well then they're not possessed, but that doesn't mean physically they're not oppressed in their body a Christian can't be possessed in because their their spirit belongs to God but a Christian certainly can be oppressed in their soul and in their mind with demonic spirits right but not possessed not not a believer i mean it, it, it's a it's a misnomer to say that you're you're possessed by God and possessed by the devil God and the devil don't bunk up together they don't they, they don't you know they don't Co random place. No, so uh, there's, there's oppression and there's possession, but I, we don't really want to even stop to define that because I think there's too much teaching with just saying, well, this person, you know, are they possessed or are they, they, are they oppressed? Are they vexed? Are they this? Well, really, uh, if you study the whole context of it, and the, the more I study, the more I see, it's not even so much that, that that's the major point. The major point is they're demonized more than trying to classify what, what the situation is. They're demonized, and our job is to set them free, isn't it? So, I'm sorry, what verse we want? 25. Hold your peace, come out. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he said, come out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? With authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, <clears throat> when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon, Andrew, James, and John. And Simeon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And Anon tell her, and tell, they tell her, they tell him of her. Elizabethan English, they tell him of her. Anyway, verse Verse 31. Back to uh, Jemison's language. And he came and took by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. Notice he didn't rebuke a spirit here. He just left her. There was a spirit involved, but he didn't stop to even deal with it. He just touched her. And the fever left her. And she ministered unto them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and that was possessed with devils. Possessed. And all the city was gathered together at the door... All the city was gathered at the door. Watch here. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases. And he cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. In other words, he told them to shut up. He says, do not speak. Do not speak. And uh, so there's some things here we, we want to see that, that, that your faith is imperative when you're doing things. And when you're ministering this way or or if you're casting out a spirit uh that your your faith or or we'll say it this way power follows faith power flows in faith and uh, faith your faith will direct your power you you have power from the holy one on the inside but your faith will actually be the one that directs it uh on the other hand unbelief locks up your faith in that area if you get in a place where that you're you're scared or you're worried And and probably in the the Western civilization, even the church, not saying anyone here, but I would say many believers are probably afraid of devils. They really wouldn't want to be in a service. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a service like that where you've seen a devil cast out, I have. Uh, Dealt with some of that myself. Dealt with people that uh, wasn't possessed. It was Christians that was oppressed. Uh, Interesting little thing I'll just throw in here. Uh, a number of years, done, uh, Lester Sumrall was talking about, and you know, and he's he was the foremost authority on demonology, and he, he's matter of fact, Lester Summerall he is, he was brought into so many court cases. I was telling y'all about last time, where they just just the community understood, and just, uh, but when you would have someone who was possessed, or medically they wouldn't say they were possessed. You know, there's 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 um, mental issues. But they would bring in Lester Sumrall as an opinion because they noted him as authority. What do you say, Dr. Summerall, about this? And he would give his expert opinion on this because he dealt with so much of it. He was in the mission field so much. I mean, he, he, he dealt with so many satanic people, witch doctors, witchcraft of, of every kind, and they would try to come and try to attack him in his service. So they would come in his services, and witch doctors would sit all across the front, you know, trying to kill him. He said, I've been in beds gonna preach, and, and, and my, de- my bed would move while I was sleeping. And uh, I was listening to a meeting and we was in and, and someone asked, he, he was asked a question. They said, what, what did you do? He said, well, it was just a demonic spirit. He said, the, he said, those spirits don't really have any power. They're just there to aggravate you, see if, they, if you're scared of them. They said, well, what did you do? He said, I told them to put it back and to leave the house. <laughs> he said, they moved the bed. He said, I was sleeping. They woke me up. He said, I was in Haiti and I was there to do some meetings. And the witch doctors was coming to the meetings, and they're, you know, they're out there with the little things and sticking things and curses and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so he dealt with all of them. Then at night he laid in the bed. He was asleep, and the bed started like this, and the wind began to blow, and the bed started moving on its own. And he said, "I said, put it back." And the bed went. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said that's the point. Most Christians would have filled up their huggies, yeah. <laughs> put it back. Get me on Delta as quick as you can. But anyway, he said, uh, he said a, a friend of the ministry left somewhere. I said they he said, now this guy and he was really analytical, but he was he was a surgeon. And this woman, she had uh, breast cancer, but it had spread to her lungs. Now, I'm going to talk about, uh, in saying this story, I'm going to talk about one type of spirit, because there's many types. I'm going to talk about the spirit of infirmity for a moment. And I don't want to, I don't want that to be my subject today, but it's a, it's something we, we need to know more about. Generally speaking, when you have something that's just going and you can't figure the cause for it, or they can't diagnose it, it's usually the spirit of infirmity. It'll, uh, the spirit of infirmity will move around all around the body. And when the doctors can't, usually can't find a name for it, and it's something that lingers a long time, it's generally the spirit infirmity. And if you don't deal with it, it'll just stay there. You can quote scripture if you want to, I'm not saying that the scripture won't help you, but if you don't get rid of the spirit, it's not going anywhere. See, the, you say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, okay, you're right, you have that opinion, but you have the right to that opinion, but think about it this way. When Jesus was in the wilderness, did the devil know scripture? He did. He perverted it, but he, but he quoted it to Jesus, right? Well, he didn't go anywhere until Jesus told him what was written, and then then he had to get out. Well, it says first we bind the strong man, then then we spoil the house. So that spirit of infirmity will move around. You might say, So the surgeon that d less Summerall, he was telling me, he says, he said, all my staff today, he said, he said, Brother Summerall, he said, they they freaked out. He said, Well, I never saw this myself. He said, But you know, he says, I've listened to all your stuff and took your course on demonology and all that kind of stuff. And he says, and you know, and I, I believe all this. He said, but I never saw it. He said, till this week. He said, we opened up a woman, she had a breast cancer. We got there, and they're all on the front of the rib cage. Here was the cancer. And he said, when I went to go to remove it, it moved. It, it left immediately, and it disappeared. And everybody had, had her open, and they looked, and they went, and they put it back under x ray, and it moved to the back ribs. That's the spirit. So you can say, "By him, drops I'm healed," but until you tell that one go, it'll hang around for a while. Y'all okay. Yeah. Amen. I did. We, we did this. I'll, I'll give you one personal. We did this. Uh, didn't even know these things too much back when my dad uh, was uh, um, nineteen ninety. Yeah, when he went into the hospital. Because he, he wasn't feeling well, but like most men, he, he didn't need to go see anybody because he was okay. He didn't need directions and he didn't need to go to the doctor until he needed to go to the doctor. <laughs> but he woke up one day, he was ready to go. But when he got there, you know what he had? You know he was, he, was, he was in diabetic shock and his sugar was, it had been that way for a long time and he wouldn't go check anything. So he wasn't taking any insulin, nothing, whatever. And then he found out he's a diabetic, but he waited till the end of it, I mean, the end. I mean, he waited till he had 24 hours to live. And of course, he was, you know, you know the story, so I won't go through, he was healed. And the Lord put all brand new nerves in his body, overnight, new nerves. I mean, you had the x-ray before, the nerves were destroyed, the next day he has all new circuitry in his body. And so, but he he stayed in the hospital at Brookwood, because he had, a, he had a, a blood clot that they said, you know, that blood clot just moves either way. He'll, 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 I mean, he'll, if it moves, he'll just be gone just like that. And he had some other symptoms, and they said, he, he's not out of the woods. And every time, and we, we were just kind of in a word church and learning some things, and we would speak to things, and they would help, and it would change. But then the, it's like you deal with that, and it'd go away. Then all of a sudden, something brand new would just come up. And they said, well, now we have got a problem over here. Now we deal with that. Now we've got a problem over here. Well, he was in Brookwood for a month. And so it, it wasn't until <clears throat> it got dealt with the spirit of infirmity, we dealt with the spirit behind it. Someone helped us with that. I said, well, this is the spirit of infirmity. I mean, they, it, it's just y'all dealing with it. And it'll say, okay. And then it'll, just, it'll be real quiet. And they'll go jump over here. Y'all okay? And so he'd have a problem over here. And then we, we'd follow him over there, and he'd just run over here. But when you cast him out, out was out. And all of a sudden, the blood clot dissolved, and all the situations began to change. And then he went to rehab, and and then, um, you know, he stayed in rehab a few weeks, and that gave Mom time to do everything she wanted to do in the house while he was gone. She couldn't do. It while I was there, and came down his barn, was tore down, and everything. just like, he's, <laughs> side note: I can't never, I will never forget him driving up in the yard. It's like. I know I've been gone a month. So he says, where's my barn? <laughs> she said, she said it, it, it had to go. So it's gone. It had to go. Well, so we had to deal with that spirit that was behind the whole thing. Now, this woman with the, uh, let's look at this real quick. Luke chapter three. Uh, Luke, I'm, I'm sorry, Luke 13. Luke 13. Let's talk about the spirit in me just a moment. Uh, verse sixteen, I think it is. Now, I want to, to back up. Verse ten, and he was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years. She had a spirit, a, a, a godly spirit and an ungodly spirit. Ungodly. I, mean, I know you know that, but I want you to see this. This woman, she's the daughter of Abraham. So she's not a Christian like we are. Jesus ain't come and live and die, but she's God's child. But this woman had a evil, demonic spirit in her flesh. And probably dealing with her mind for how long? 18 years. See, demons want somewhere to live they can do things without a body, but they really they really can't have full expression without a body. They really don't want an animal. They re- their, their highest place is to have a human. So here, so, but thank God she finally, she meets Jesus. And so uh, it says, and she had 18 years and she's bowed over and she could not, no lift herself up. Now I, I I did some extensive study on this and I went to all kinds of commentary and others. So this woman, she, she, she wasn't like this. They said this woman was like this. So she could see her shoes, but she couldn't see you. And if she could go like this, she would try to look at you that way. For 18 years, she was like this. And it made Jesus mad. All will make us mad. Now watch here. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him after he taught her 14 lessons on faith. Oh, that's right, no, that's not in your Bible. Watch here. And he said, 18 years, he just said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. But now listen, if you would have been in that meeting, she wasn't loosed. Because she was still like this. Another principle of faith. Faith calls things that be what? Not as though they were. When God wants something, Genesis 1, he says it, then he what? He has it. Romans 4, Abraham was persuaded that what God said he was able to perform. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, if you save, you shall have. So Jesus said he went ahead and called her loosed from this infirmity. He called her loose from this demonic spirit. But now she needs more help. So what does he do? So he said, you're loose from the infirmity. Then he, then he laid his hands on her. Notice he didn't lay his hands on her first. He spoke her deliverance and freedom first. Then he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus was he, Oh, gosh. That Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. And then the Lord, uh, he had an answer for him. Sweet Jesus had an answer for him. And said, unto then he, says, he said, you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or ass from the stall and lead him to watering, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom, what? Satan hath bound lo these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day and I did a little math and I could see I messed up but uh, because the, the um, they told him they said uh, in the synagogue they said there is six days in which men ought to come and work so they, in other words they're, they're, they're not happy that she's delivered to heal, are they their accusation is really against Jesus and said, you, you did it on the wrong day. Does that sound like religion? I went with a five-day work week instead of six. But he says six. So here's the math. There's 52 weeks in the year, I think it was back then, don't you? If she would have came five of those six days that was 260 days that they had an opportunity to help her times 18 years. They only had 4,680 days to help her and they got mad on the day he did it. (laughs) Wrong day. (laughs) Can't get healed. Wrong day. So here is the spirit of infirmity. So power will follow your faith. Faith directs your power. And, uh, Only unbelief will lock it up. And if we're failing, it's because unbelief is locking it up. Casting out the devils or a devil or healing the sick is always an act of warfare. Did you get that? Always casting out devils or healing someone who's sick is a act of warfare. That's what it is. Jesus was there to wage war. That's what he was doing. We're talking about spiritual warfare. You are in a spiritual warfare every day of your life. I don't know if you know that. You might say, well, I live in America. (laughs) Well, God bless you. But there's still spiritual warfare around you every day. He was there to wage war. Why? Because the the person here, this woman was bound for 18 years. And he says, she's a daughter of Abraham. He says, she ought to be loose from this. She had a spirit of infirmity. Notice Jesus didn't talk to the spirit of infirmity. And there's because he's saying this is not right, this is wrong, and I'm going to set what's wrong. I'm going to set it right, and uh, that's the way it works with you. The devil has to obey you because it's no longer you that lives as Christ in you. See, we're we're, we're doing too many things as, as Christians in church that the Lord's just not that interested in. I, that's real blunt, but I'm running out of time we're having a little Bible studies and all that kind of stuff and that's just fine I'm trying to figure out if we agree with you on this or agree with you on that agree with you on that and you know the Holy Spirit and his tongue's real and you know are you saved not saved always saved not saved is this right is that wrong is grace wrong is grace right and ain't no one getting delivered to nothing if you would just get out there and get to work with, with who needs help you, everything else would come to you do you think this woman cared about those other things? No. Eight, 18 years, she's like this. You could go to a seminar, you can go to Bible school like I did for two years, for half a day for two years, which is equivalent to going to church 20, about 20 years. You know, a half a day for two years is like 15, 20 years of church. But if you don't ever put into practice what you've learned, you're going to get about 30% of it. The 70 percent, and I think anyone in here will agree with me in your profession. You can you can teach people whatever you want to. I could go I could go hang out with Nathan for three months, and he could tell me all kind of things about about you know how to you know we got a red car, and here's how we, you know we start here, and we do this, we do that, and then to come back, and we're doing the figure, and and, and I could learn a whole lot of stuff. I could learn a whole lot of stuff. If it was, and if it was just book work, I mean, if he just had it written in the book, I, I could learn a lot of stuff. But I think, I mean, he may disagree with me, but I don't think he will. But I think, I think, you know, hands on is going to be a little bit different than just the book. Because you're going to come across some things out in the shop that wasn't, that wasn't in that book. Like the person who owns that car who's got an attitude. <laughs> Their attitude is not necessarily in that book. You know what they're looking for is a miracle, right? But but you brought me a heap of whatever that, you know probably just need to, you know when they said scrap it, and, and you turned it to a rebuilt salvage. Maybe you should have scrapped it. But now you want me to make it this right here, and it won't be this right here. So so you learn more from from doing than you do just just the the information. Isn't that true about everything? The, the way that you do it. In other words. Could, could you really learn how to effectively ride a bike if you never got on one? Because you just read all the, all the books, you know, and about balance and all this and peddling and uh, you know, and uh, but it's not until you got on a bike. How many like me that when you first rode a bike that you fell down a few times? You got some boo boos, some scratches and some bruises and some cuts. But after a while, you know that you. I remember riding the bike. It took me about three or four months. I'd been nice if we would've had a concrete driveway or something flat, but I lived out there with a bunch of biscuit rocks. I'll explain that in a later broadcast what a biscuit rock is, but I mean, it was just an old country road. And uh, we, you know, our house had a fireplace in the front and that's where the tire stopped. Boom, I mean, it just knocked you off. And when you first ride the bike, you remember how, how hard you held the handlebars? Like, you're so tight, know you're trying, you're, you're trying to keep it going, you're trying to keep balance, and you end up with blisters all inside of your hand, you know, just trying to, but after, you, after, you know, Carter was telling me he came on his bike the other day up the house, and he said, look, Bob, I can ride this with no hands. I said, you can for a while. But he, I, I, I know he didn't start off with no hands. I see people driving with no hands. and <laughs> only one eye. Texting and all that kind of stuff and doing and eating a cheeseburger with this hand and doing the wheel like this, you know, with a leg like this, like I don't want to meet you. I just I just don't. I mean you might you know, you might pull it off on the straight, but I don't want you to have to be turning with me out there next to you. While you're eating your whopper with cheese and trying to turn it with your left knee. That's just not safe. So, spirit affirming. Now, we are believers i was going to give you some statements here. We as believers are here to substitute for Jesus. That's what we're here to do. Everything that Jesus did, now we're talking about today in the sense of spiritual warfare, demons, and the origin of Satan, if we can get to that part of it. But we as believers are here to substitute for Jesus. And everything he did, he did in authority. When you understand authority, you'll understand the whole subject. When you get down authority, it'll fix about everything in your life. Not, not just power, but authority. When you understand your authority, it'll fix just about everything. Amen? Doesn't matter what the situation is. When the answer is the same, the problem really doesn't matter. We don't have authority over people. So, uh, when I'm going to say something that I want you to get, I'm going to let you know. This is now a point to listen. This is a time to listen. Okay? We don't have authority over people. We do have authority over devils. Now, this would be a controversial point, and that's what I'm telling you. I, at one time, there was an Eric that would not agree with the Eric is talking to you today. I would have said what many told me, that you cannot cast the devil out of someone who doesn't want the devil out. You have a right to disagree with me. I would have agreed with you many years ago. I do not agree with that statement anymore. Not not in totality, I do not. You say, well, if the person has a will, they have a right. God doesn't violate our will. I agree with you totally what you just said, the way way I characterize it. You don't have authority over people. We know that from Genesis chapter 1. We don't have authority over their wills. God doesn't take authority over our wills, does he? But Mark 16, he said, he gave you power over all the power of the enemy. I'm not there to cast something out against their will. I'm there to deal with the devil. Now, I do realize when when I said that, and not that you'll meet many people like this, but some people want their devils. So if you cast them out and they want it back, they can have it back. Because demons will try to tell you, and I've had, and I've had and I've had demons tell me this before. They said, they said, she wants me. I wish I'd have known not then what I know now. So I thought, well, so I called a friend of mine. He said, well, she wants it. There's you can do. Get, you need to get her out of your church. She's gonna tear the place up. I wish I'd have known now. So I, I took his advice. He says she has to be on the outside of the building, or the deputy sheriff won't take her off. because he, he, he don't want to deal with it. He said, "But if she's on the outside of your building, she's a trespasser. She's on the inside, pastor, it's your problem." So we got her on the outside, and they come picked her up. Been Butterfly if I got her delivered. But see, I'd been taught if she wants that. So here, really, if you think about it, you, you, who, who are you asking? So that's what I've been told. So I, I'm asking this. is I said, do, "Do you want? Do you want this this devil?" And a lot of times, it, it won't always be the demonic voice. Sometimes be the voice of that person, but you can't trust either voice. You know, if you hear a demonic voice and it says, yes, he wants me. It's like, I'm not talking to you right now, shut up. <laughs> so I asked her, do you want this? And she said, yes. Well, that, that was wrong. I should have cast that thing out in the name of Jesus. But see, if you're taught wrong and you act wrong, you're going to get the wrong results. So I don't have authority over people. You, we have no authority over people. Sometimes we, we wish we did, but we don't have authority over people. But we have authority over all devils, cast out devils in my name, right? Mark 16, the Great Commission. So the devil has to go. He, he may come back. They can invite him back in. Now, now here, here's the question. You can do what you want to with this. Now, I don't want to go on too many side journeys. People say, well, isn't it couldn't it be worse to cast one out if this person is not going to do what it takes to maintain their spiritual life because the scripture says and we'll get to it again that they're worse off and they are when the spirit's cast out he said he goes because he that that demon wants they call it rest and a, a, a demon wants a home a home to him as a human preferred home as a human so when he's cast out, he's he's homeless. He's looking home. So for a time or season, I don't know what if you know if it's two weeks or a week or three months. The scripture says he's always going to come back to his home to see if it's swept clean. In other words, have, have you consecrated your life? Are you filling yourself up with the word? Are you living godly? Are you whatever? Because he finds a place clean. He says, it's vacant. We can move in. But he won't move in by himself because he remembers the last time what happened to him. He said, he'll go get seven more demons, but they'll be all more powerful and wicked than what he was. And then, so, and then they're all going to come in and say, got my home back. Now we're at rest. So, our, so we, let's don't give devils rest. See, d- demons are intelligent. I know you probably wouldn't think I would say that, but they are. They understand certain things. They understand people. They've studied people, all kinds of spirits like familiar spirits. They've studied your family. They've studied you. They've studied your parents. They've studied your grandparents. That's why they work on it. That's why people sell so many books, you know, in generational curses, which here again is controversial, but, you know, to teach you biblically. I, I totally disagree with the books that you te- that, that come out about generational curses. The, the only reason I disagree with them, I'm, I don't say that they don't operate. I don't say they're not effective. I'm not saying demons aren't working in generations through generations. They are, but it's because they're being allowed to. But who should be our main example? Jesus. Jesus. Did Jesus ever deal, think about it, did Jesus ever deal with one generational curse? Not one of them. So how, how, how can we write books upon books? I don't care if they're the best sellers. I don't care who the author is. they their ministry wraps around the world three times. Jesus never dealt with one generational spirit. He says, you don't have a right, now get out. But when the demon knows that you don't know that, see, it doesn't matter that he's been cast out. He's lost his authority. The, the way the enemy works is he works on, he doesn't have authority. This is someone last week. He has power. He has power. Now you, there's, there's another, and I'm, I'm putting the flags up for you. If you don't know where to put a flag up, it's like, it's like, no, he don't have no power. We have all the power. You're right. But if you don't know, you have all the power. But when, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he didn't lose or gain any power. He kept power. He lost authority. Remember that from last week? He lost all authority. He did not lose power. Who do you think all all the evil stuff's going on in the world? Who's the evil genius of this world? Satan is. Well he has to have some power some ability. Power mean ability. He has to have ability to to enforce his will in the world. Where does sickness and disease come from ultimately? Satan right? Well he has to have some power to be able to do that. But he doesn't have the right. Authority is the right to do it. I mean anyone can have a uh, a gun, and that shoots, you know, whatever, or a pistol shoots bullets, or, or a gun that shoots, you know, cartridges, whatever. But a policeman or someone in the military in a conflict has their, they have the power, the training, and the authority to enforce that. Satan doesn't have any authority he knows that so he had when he lost his authority he went to the Garden of Eden what he really was looking for was I need authority because I lost it when they got kicked out of heaven so I need Adam and Eve's authority so I legally can do what I want to do in the earth because what I'm doing is illegal he knew it he said I have power but I, I lost my legal authority to do it now. so if I, can, if I can deceive them I'll gain their I'll gain their legal authority to do it and that's what he did they died spiritually, and now Satan legally became the god of this world and had power. But well, When Jesus came, lived, and died for us, he said, now all power is given to me. Now you go. And then he gave us his name, he gave us his power, and he gave us his authority over the devil. So now Satan has, he lost it when he got back from Adam. Maybe he lost that again. He still has power, but he doesn't have any legal right to do what he's doing. But the reason why he's doing what he's doing is because we're letting him use our authority and people's authority to run around and use his power. But when we begin to tell him, that's not right, and you can't do this, and I'm not allowing it, and stop it. He knows, he knows, he knows I really don't have the right to do this, and now they know it. Now i get, now I got a problem. But when he's with people and Christians who don't know it, he can use that power any way he wants to. And they can get prayer changed up and all kind of stuff. Sing all kind of hymns and hers and do all kind of things. He'll just have a heyday with it. But when you stand up and you understand authority, and he understands that you understand authority and who you are in him, and that he is, a, he is a, at best j- just a, 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 the father of lies, he'll have to stop. He'll go find an easier target. He'll leave you alone, at least for a season. He'll leave you alone because he knows that you know that he doesn't have the right to do that. All right, so uh, we got about three minutes. Praise the Lord. So uh, I don't want to open up something we don't really have time to. Spirits are attached to almost every type of sin. That doesn't mean that every time of sin. I don't. What I'm saying. I'm not saying that every time someone sins, it's it, it's a spirit. But you know, where, where did sin originate? From Satan, in the very beginning, right? So sin is attached to every time. Uh, Almost every... You, you could say it this way. Not everyone who's sick is sick because of a spirit or the devil. Directly. But indirectly, everyone who is sick or dies sick dies because of sickness or spirit. Because who's the author of life? God. Who's the author of death? Satan. So indirectly, all sickness and disease is attributed right back to him. Not everyone who's sick, I want you to hear me. Not everyone who's sick is sick because of a devil. Some are. Many are. But indirectly, because all sickness came from the fall of man, Satan is indirectly the cause for all sickness and disease. Almost every sickness at the root of it has a demonic spirit attached to it. Directly or indirectly. So they're uh, so in. And that saying it this way, so I want you to understand. That in other words, like alcoholism, alcoholism is a spirit. It alters your d- DNA if you allow. It's a spirit. Demons. Let's be a good place to stop right here. Demons will try to attack us. Now, wait, 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 I'm hope. I, I hope I'm not having made a mess out of this morning because I, I got. I, I got like. I'm going down the road, the main road, and there's like so many, like I need to go over there and go over here and go over here. And I, I hope I, have, I haven't made it to where it's just so confusing. Demons will try to attack. When I say demons, now, get out of our mind a devil with a pitchfork. That's just not the way it works. It doesn't way the work. But a lot of times what you, we would call demons, I would tell you, would be impressions, feelings, or emotions. God gave you emotions, but that's where he works. See, you, you know this, but for those who may not know, a demon cannot work in a born-again spirit. He can't because your spirit is sealed. God sealed your spirit up. You're born again. That's why when you hear someone talk about grace, they're talking about the, the part of you that was born again. In, in that sense, you become a new creature. In that sense, in your spirit, in your real spirit being, since that day, you've never missed it. You've never sinned in your spirit since you've been born again in your spirit. Now, if you don't, if you don't say that, they'll go say, Oh, I went to church somewhere and that pastor said the, since I'm born again. I ain't never sinned. Oh, gosh, don't ever go back to that church again. Well, listen. Well, listen. I, I didn't say you never sinned. I said in your born again spirit, which is clean, righteous, and holy, as Jesus Christ, that spirit is sealed, uncontaminated by the world, any, any demonic spirit. The, the, all of our problems is the other two-thirds third, two of us, which is our soul, our emotions, our will, and our bodies. Right? That's, that's what our problems is. The reason why we're coming here and we're learning from one another and we're learning is because we're, 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 we're dealing with our soul, how to live this life that Jesus already gave for us. I'm not here to try to teach your spirit anything. Why would I do that? Your spirit has all knowledge, but it has to get, to your, it has to get into your soul. Then your soul says, Well, this is the way that works, and it tells the body, oh, that, that's over with. That's over with. Your, your body's just neutral. That's why spirits need bodies. In other words, if 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 I was possessed, or if a person was possessed, and you took, well, this is an analogy. If a person was possessed and you amputated their arms with, with their hands and their legs and, their, their, and you took out their vocal cords, they have no way to express the personality they are. They would still be possessed, but they no longer have a way to express it. Does that make sense? Now, you're a spirit and you're a personality, but people who are demon-possessed are a spirit and they're a personality. Your spirit's from God, their spirit's from the devil. That's obvious. But... God needs you to have a body so that He can express who He is through your body. He needs your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your voice, and everything that He can express His will. The devil really wants needs the body so He can express the will of the kingdom of darkness. So if you amputated, so if, if you're a spirit being, you're a good person, but someone still did all that—they amputated your arms and your feet and took your eyes and, and your and took out your vocal cords, you'd still be a born-again spirit, but you wouldn't have any way to express that because you need the faculties of the body to be able to express who you are in the spirit. Does that make sense? I mean, I I know you know the difference between spirit and body, or soul and body, but that really would help you. If you didn't have the faculties of your body, you couldn't express what what was in your thinking or your thoughts or your words because you wouldn't have the faculties to do it. Demons couldn't express what they want to without a person without the faculties of the person. So when when we deal with demonic spirits and we and we understand that they can't possess our spirits, it's just in our soulless realm that we don't look for devils in red suits on the underwood package. We we look at the emotions. We 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 look at we wrestling out against flesh and blood and attitudes and people come against you in anger. You could be teaching stuff like this in church. I was talking about the other day you can talk about people who have all kinds of things. And a lot of these things are spirits. They're not all spirits. Sometimes they're just works of the flesh, but many times they're spirits. In other words, you might be around something like this. Sometimes they're just always angry. And you can be teaching about a subject like this, about spirits and people who have some issues in their life that they're allowing spirits to work in. They're mad at me for teaching it. If you're, if you're mad at me right now for what I taught, there's one around you, pretty close. <laughs> I mean, if I've already made you angry, you might want to check that out this afternoon. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. I mean, if you're sitting there always mad at a uh, preacher uh, who says I might have a spirit, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'll get it as close as I can get. It. I've always been pretty, you know, transparent, haven't I? But most of, you, I'm too transparent. That's, that's the that's the problem. I've had him work through me. I've had the Lord rebuke me. He says, you know what that was? And I, he said, you remember when I rebuked Peter? He says, i rebuke you now. He said, you allowed the enemy to use you when you did that back there, when you said that back there in that attitude. He said, that's, that's not of me. And I had to go back and apologize for things that shouldn't have been said that wasn't from me. It was from the kingdom of darkness using my mind and my body to express the kingdom of darkness's will. I like that from a preacher. <laughs> But I, look, I'm just as human as you are. Amen. They come pick up trash on Wednesday, but they ain't no two angels fly down and say, we got to preach. <laughs> they fly down get the trash can to go out to the door and they pick up here on Wednesday. You don't get up there across that gravel three, you know, about 200 feet like this. I know how it gets there and gets back. <laughs> Thank God it's got wheels on it. <laughs> but, you know, they ain't no angels up here loading the dishwasher, are there? I never saw one. Well, she's an angel, but I'm about the angel's angels. You know, i say, hey, a wash day. <laughs> they like, get to washing. <laughs> Amen. Here's the good news. You have authority in the name of Jesus over every work of the enemy. That every enemy will bow at the name of Jesus under your feet. And if you knew this, if you really knew this, you're going to tell me you know this from here. But I want you to get this, whether we got two lessons or one lesson or fifteen lessons, that demons are not—they're not afraid of you. They're terrified. They're terrified. One, because they know the scriptures; their time is short. They're intelligent because they know that that time is coming short, and they know the scriptures in Revelations, which I didn't get to today. It says this is what's going to happen. And then they're going to be there, and they're going to be there with the false prophet, and they're going to be there with Antichrist, and then they're going to be there with Satan himself, and then they're going to be there forever. They know that's coming, and they're, they're terrified, and they'll never be able to inflict any harm on a human ever again. Now, think about it. Paul said it's better to be in heaven than here, right? It's kind of funny. I bet when everybody gets to heaven, I don't know this like, what would we find that so much for? My gosh. It's like, it's like we were trying to stay down there. What for? I mean, I don't know that you could have that kind of thought, but Paul, Paul said it's far better. He didn't say it, it, it's better. It's, you know, it's better. He didn't say, You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I guess it's better up here. It wasn't like he's like, you know, well, yeah, we went to the store today and we got some uh, whatever, or we went to a restaurant and we got this. And, well, did, well, did you like it better than going over? Did you like this steak at Longhorn's better than Texas? He said, well, it might be better. You know, if that's the way heaven is from earth, they overbuild it. Paul said it's far, here it's far better. When they told him, when it was his time to depart, and they beheaded him, he couldn't hardly wait. He said, woohoo. Take it, baby, take it. So he called leaving here not dying. He just called it departing. When a Christian dies, you know this, but listen, listen to the words. The physical part dies, but you know the spirit doesn't, right? Where, where did we come from first? Heaven, to earth. So when a Christian leaves here, all they're doing is going home. Mm-hmm. Don't that sound good? <laughs> He's like, they died. They went home. They went home. How many of you went on vacation before had a good time, but you was kind of glad to get home sometimes? Sometimes when you went with the kids, back when our kids were little and they had to ride every ride go every little thing you know, and whether it was at the beach or going to Gatlinburg and go like this and like that and do it like this and go to the Ferris wheel and all that. We were glad to get home and get some rest from our vacation. <laughs> well, when we, when we leave here, we're going home. And when we come down here for a thousand years, the devil's going to be locked up for a thousand years. We, we've never known what it's like to live on this planet without demonic uh, interference. We think this is, you know, about normal it's not it's, just, it's a big war going around you all the time and we kind of come just like well you know what's you your holiday week well it's alright but you know whew. <laughs> well that, that was warfare is what you're dealing with for a thousand years the lion's going to lay down with the lamb they're just going to lay there and just whatever no one's going to devour no one's going to eat You know, they're not going to eat each other Whatever. it's going to be just like it was before the curse and you're going to live here for a, for a thousand years and where's Jesus going to be he's going to be here on the earth and we're gonna go hear him preach. I gotta stop. I'm sorry. Y'all are just so easy to preach is the problems. That's what the problem is. But it's just the time that Jesus is gonna preach and he's gonna open up the word. I know you've heard me say this, but I just can't hardly get over it myself. He's gonna open up the Bible, the word. And the word, Jesus, the word, is gonna read the word. And I don't know what that's going to be like. (laughs) But don't be busy that day. (laughs) It might be mandatory. I don't know. But anyway, the word's going to read the word. The bread of life is going to come off the pages. Spirit and life. In the name of Jesus right now, Father, I bless these people. I thank you for them. Lord, you're so good. You're so amazingly wonderful and glorious good. 2 Chronicles twenty twenty said they praised him and they praised the beauty of his holiness. What a wonderful way to say that. They praised the beauty of his holiness. Right now, Father, we give, not just me, but we give you that praise. In adoration, we worship you right now. Those who are watching, those who are listening at a later time, We give you adoration and praise. If you're here or listening or watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you never have made that decision, the most important decision of your lifetime. This broadcast goes into well over 30 nations. I implore of you, I beg you if it would help. Make that decision. You say, well, I'm I'm gonna live life, and no, you don't even know what life is. Life is short. Life gets shortened sometimes for people, and they didn't know. Make that decision today. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Save me, be my Lord and be my Savior. Take control of my life. Live in me and live through me. Be my King, be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And if you prayed that prayer or will pray that prayer another time, we rejoice with you that you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And from this day forward, your life changes because you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence speaking in tongues, you can do that right now. The Bible said the promises to all of us and to all those that are far off. It's not hard. It's not something we have to seek for, for weeks, months, or years. We're not tearing," they, He said, well, they tarried in Acts chapter 2. They tarried until the Holy Ghost came. But he's been here for 2,000 years. And all you have to do right now is just receive the Holy Ghost, and you will speak in an unknown heavenly language. It's a glorious language. It won't come out of your head. It'll come out of your spirit. And if you'll just open your mouth, and you'll just, from the, from the innermost being, from your what you would say, the, the gut section of your, of your body, out of your spirit, will flow a heavenly language in the name of Satai. I'll just pray. The Bible says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man but unto God. But how be it in the Spirit? He's speaking mysteries. He's speaking mysteries. Jude said, but beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank God that while we're on this earth, He gave us a way to have contact. God, We don't contact God with our mind. We have contact, spirit to spirit. He's a spirit, you're a spirit. And when we pray. For I would say unto you this day, that as you have read in the scriptures that many times, when signs and wonders and miracles took place, it said, and they were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished. I say to you, that you are my church, you are the glorious church, you are my bride, you are the one that I have called, and I have prepared you for this time in this divine hour. And and at this time and this hour, you shall rise up in my glory, And you shall rise up in my power, in my authority, and in my name. And the world shall be astonished once again. And the kingdom of God will be increased and expanded. For I tell you, and I tell you, and I say this, although you have heard this, I tell you that my time is soon. I tell you that my time is upon you. Be ready, be prepared. Tell the news. Preach the gospel to every creature. Run, go, do, increase the kingdom of God. For my promise to you is that I would never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. Glory to God. Glory be to God. I speak to those of you who might have sickness or pain in your body right now. Those of you who are being restored uh, from uh, a sickness, a disease, a accident, whatever it is, I just speak, I speak restoration right now to your body. Just put your hand upon your body where you need healing. Restoration, I just speak in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Those of you who are watching or listening, place your hand upon your body in the area that you need healing, and I speak life, I speak healing. I speak restoration. I speak wholeness in Jesus' name. I cancel the doctor's assignment. I cancel his words. We're not against the doctor, not against his words. We're not dealing with man's wisdom. We're dealing with Holy Ghost, supernatural power. And I just speak life to your body right now. Resurrection life. He said he sent his word and it the word healed. I send the word of the living God to you right now in Jesus' name. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel itself is the power of God and the salvation. So we send forth that power in the name of Jesus. We command spirits, spirits of infirmity, any foul spirit that's harassing the minds and the hearts of the people, or is working sickness or disease in the body. We we say we bind you in Jesus' name. Leave and get out in Jesus' name. Be gone, be removed in the name of Jesus. And now the people shall rejoice and they shall recover and be restored and be healed and walk in the goodness and the life of God. We give him all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Someone, someone I don't know what it is. I, I, I just heard uh, ears are being healed right now. Things in the ears are being restored where people have lost a degree of hearing. Those things are going to, they're, they're either healed now or they're being restored in the name of Jesus. Some of you have some trouble with, uh, I don't know if they call it, tendonitis, is that what you call it? Whatever. Uh, if that's you or just, I mean, uh, any type of joint pain, which is usually, you know, inflammation is, no, is nothing more than arthritis. That's all it really is. So we just come against that in Jesus' name. I curse inflammation out of your body. I curse the joint pain in the name of I rebuke those spirits in Jesus' name. I, I cancel your assignment against the people in Jesus' name. Get out of the body. Be removed. Their body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have no right and you have no place. You're not obeying me, but you're obeying the Christ in me. Get out. Be removed. Behold, I speak peace to the minds. And joy to be restored. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody here, somebody watching. In the next three weeks, you're going to get a really good report about a family member. I don't know if they've never been saved or they have, but they're just away from God. And you've been really concerned about about them and their spiritual condition and what might happen to them. The Lord's speaking to you, if that's you. It could be several people right now. I'm just telling you, they're on the way home. The prodigal is on the way home. The prodigal is on the way home. Amen. Praise the Lord. And they're going to be with you. In church, raising their hands and worshiping God and praising Him. I'm telling you, your family's being restored right now in Jesus' mighty name. Well, praise God. Praise God. Amen. God is good all the time.